Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Welcome to another MentorCore podcast. This week we have an exciting guest. She's actually a prior guest who is back for a second edition with us. Um, Barbara Beeler is uh, currently the Senior Director uh, for the Program on Ethics and Compliance at Fordham. And this is a shift from the last time that she joined us as a guest. We'll talk about everything leading up to her career choices and um, what makes Barbara tick. So happy to have you here today. Tell us a little bit about what has been going on with you and about your career in general. Thank you. I'm a little bit nervous about the buildup for exciting, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Um, I, um, I have been in compliance or in compliance proper or compliance adjacent um, for my, um, my entire career. Um, I sort of started out, my background is mostly financial services compliance. I was a, a broker dealer, investment advisor, compliance officer. Um, and I have uh, taken a little bit of a, a turn in recent years and I have um, worked for um, vendors. I was with, maybe I was with Compliance Week when we last spoke. Um, doing their um, their programming. Um, but for the last almost 10 years or so, I have taught uh, compliance practice skills at um, Suffolk Law School and also at BU Law School um, in the Boston area. And so I am extremely excited to have joined um, Fordham over the summer. Um, it is kind of like all of um, the, the best parts of everything that I have done throughout my career in, in one spot. Um, so I'm uh, very happy to, and I'm happy to be here again with you. Wonderful. It's great to have you. And there's no rules on using chat messaging like there is in the broker world. Uh, it's been interesting oh, yes. to watch that continue to evolve to for 20 you. years. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you've had this really interesting career, but why academia? Like what has drawn you to that? What makes you find this love of teaching others and helping um, uh, people as they define their career? Well, I love how the, um, the discipline of compliance has become something that people aspire to and plan for rather than just fall into. <laughs> um, so I, and I really think that that has been a huge change over the last uh, 20 or so years. Um, I graduated from law school a long time ago and people didn't necessarily um, plan for compliance careers. Um, and, and, you know, so now I'm, I'm talking to people all the time who are really interested and excited about compliance. I am, I am teaching a class in the program and it's 18 students who, um, it's our capstone program. Um, so there is a 25 page paper, there is a, um, a research project that they need to complete in order to graduate. And these are um, kind of full on compliance nerds who just love the discipline, love talking about it, love studying it. Um, and, um, and really just, I think, have elevated us in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of ways. You know? So it's, it's really nice to see how things have grown. What makes the environment today conducive to that kind of uptake? Uh, what's what's changed 
since you started your career that makes it makes it happen now? Well, it's really interesting because for so long, financial services and healthcare were sort of leading the, you know, on the front lines of compliance. And in a lot of ways, I think that they still are. Um, but there are so many other um, industries and disciplines represented. And, and our degree is meant to be industry agnostic. Um, so it has, has three focus areas or tracks, if you will, in financial services, healthcare, and HR. Um, but really, um, you are seeing compliance growth in any number, any possible, you know, industries. Um, so I think that, you know, it's a huge growth area. I know that when I taught um, in the JD program um, here in Boston, um, you know, we sort of think of uh, compliance as something that is JD advantaged. Um, for um, law students. So it helps to have a JD, but it's not necessary that you do have a JD. Um, and so what's um, interesting, I think, about, you know, our program is that folks have are really have targeted in with laser focus that they're interested in being, you know, compliance officers. And it's not the thing that you, you know, kind of pick up along the way. It's the end goal, you know, not, not, not a way, you know, through to the GC's office. Is it, a, and well, I think you just answered what I was about to ask, is it terminal? Is the is the compliance role, is that the end of the line or what paths are starting to exist for compliance uh, professionals as they want to exit out the top of that stack? Terminal sounds very dire. Well, you're in academia, <laughs> there's a terminal degree. There's a, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I mean, so we offer two degrees um, through the program. Um, so it will depend on whether or not you already have your um, first GD or JD equivalent. Um, so you could get an LLM in with a concentration in corporate compliance if you have a JD or JD equivalent um, or an MSL, Master's in Studies in Law, um, if you do not. Um, so yes, it is, um, it is meant to be kind of the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the I guess, the terminal um, compliance degree. Just about careers, because it used to be you'd hit a thing. It, this happened in security. You became the chief of oh, security right, right. officer, and you could never go anywhere else. But I, that's right. changing for, for in the security world. Is that changing well, in the compliance world too? I think people are um, well. You know, not to overuse that word pivot, which I feel like we used all through the pandemic. But I think, um, I mean, I know when I got to the chief compliance officer role, it's a fairly small firm, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but you know. It was something that I uh, did for um, several years and then kind of wanted to try something else. Um, so I don't know that it's, for a lot of people, it may be the, you know, the, the terminal place where they want to, um, you know, kind of be. Um, but I also think you can transition from there um, to advisory roles, to different industries. Uh, I have a, a friend who, um, for a long time, practiced in investment advisor compliance. Um, so very, you know, well articulated compliance programs were kind of her her niche. Um, and so she's now working in the cannabis industry because it kind of makes sense, you know, that if you know compliance well in one industry, it might lend itself to others. So I think that, um, you know, it, it it can be the you know the place where people want to get, but it's going to depend on you know, what your, your goals are. So maybe it's CCO at a small firm, you know, um, maybe it's um, running compliance in a multinational company, you know, in a, um, in a, you know, also. So 
but I, I don't, I feel like there's much more fluidity now than there used to be. Um, so I think years ago you chose that path and that's where you were. And wow. now I, I think that, um, you know, I know in my career, I've been able to transition um, across, you know, a couple of different um, industries uh, with a compliance background. That's terrific. So I love that you're thinking about what that can mean for an entire career. And um, I think I'm seeing more and more opportunities for people to transition from a compliance role or even a security role into something more business focused or, you know, uh, really focusing in on the, all of the attributes and skills that you have from where whatever seat you learned them in. Yeah, and I mean, our, our student population is, um, you know, for the most part, part time. Um, we have some folks that are, um, uh, you know, online, solely online and some folks that are solely in person, you know, but they have, um, they're very self-directed and they know exactly why they're getting this degree. And, and often it is to either transition into compliance um, from maybe an operations role um, within their industry or their firm, um, or it's to um, get to that next level in compliance. And so we actually had an in-person event several weeks ago. Um, so for the most part, we're online, but we have this one in-person opportunity. And it's this weekend on campus. And we had... Um, 90 some odd um, you know, folks that were just about to graduate um, join us on campus. So it was larger than some compliance conferences that I have been to. Um, and they have been working together for one, two, three years. And so they know each other quite well, but they haven't actually met. And they had an opportunity to network uh, with each other, with the faculty. Um, and what we have learned is that during the program, you know, many told us that we have gotten promoted, we have gotten a new job, um, you know, within or without the firm. So it's been uh, useful for them. So what kind of person comes to Fordham Law, the compliance program there? Is it, I guess, the, the real question is, is it ever too late to start down this road of getting that type of a degree? No, we have a very um, diverse um, student population. Um, so we have a lot of folks who are, um, some who are brand new to compliance, some have worked in compliance for a long time. Um, folks who may be interested in the LLM, um, maybe in a different um, um, kind of career path at the moment or focused in a different area of law and are just drawn to compliance. Um, it's really um, any, any any possibility, you know, any um, any sort of uh, um, yeah. So extremely diverse population, um, very self-directed, but no, very laser focused on compliance. So one of the questions I'm going to ask you is a little bit out of left field here, um, but I have heard so many people say, "I really wish that I could teach at some point in time." How do you find that first role and opportunity to be giving back in a different way by being part of, you know, the being part of the 
educational institution by teaching your first class or connecting with a professor who would like a guest speaker how do you how do you help people navigate that if they they're interested well so you should definitely call me <laughs> her number will be in the show notes That's just right. kidding we'll, we'll, we'll provide contact information um I, for me I, I went to my um you know alma mater um, and, and I had a conversation with them and at the time they were looking for someone um, to teach a compliance course that hadn't been taught before. And so I was able to develop um, that. Um, and then another opportunity came up at another one of, uh, one of the schools that I went to. So I went to both Suffolk and BU and that's where I've taught. Um, the great thing about Fordham is that we are very focused, focused only on corporate compliance. Um, so, it, and our, our faculty are all adjuncts. Um, so we wanna be sure that we have um, a great representation of all of the compliant talent that is out there. And also, you know, we run three semesters a year and we don't wanna burn out all of our faculty asking them to teach, you know, every single semester. Um, so we are always looking for folks who have a passion for, um, for teaching. I mean, it really does have to be a passion. It's not really something that you're necessarily going to, you know, retire on the salary that you make um, <laughs> as an adjunct. Um, but the folks who love it, absolutely love it and love to come back um, and they find it very, um, very rewarding. Um, so I think, you know, I, the only thing I will say is if you think it's a lot of work, it's more work than you think it is. Um, so that's just something. So I, when I, when I talk to folks who have an interest in being an adjunct, I don't necessarily say, let's sign you up for next semester. I say, let's, let's think about it and plan out your course and think about when you're ready. And when you're ready, we're, we're here to take it to the next level. So let me know when you're ready. <laughs> Dan and Lisa Beth. <laughs> and I know you've taught. <laughs> Yeah, no, teaching is a wonderful way to, um, I guess, yeah, from take a practitioner piece and use the other side of your brain, one, to have to communicate it, but two, just to be, I've, I found that I was able to synthesize the things I do every day so much better after having to share it with somebody else. Um, and then, you know, just the ability to then, uh, uh, you know, watch what comes out the other end of the course and the successes that happen from it. Uh, it's extremely rewarding emotionally, uh, but just to, I would, recommend it anybody that is truly passionate about what they do consider teaching it it's a magical experience yes and it's it's great fun i mean the students are um students of compliance you know so and many of them work in compliance and have um you know shared experiences um to bring to the classroom um so it's really a very um rich uh dialogue you know so it's it's not just sort of scratching the surface of concepts of culture of compliance you know but it's actual you know sort of um stories from the um you know from the inside if you will you it's know not like having to get a whole bunch of unwitting unwilling freshmen through zoology 101 that they yes, have to take no, at all costs yeah no not at all it's very it's a very elevated um you know conversation and you know, so um, when we had our colloquium, our dean um, came and he sort of welcomed um, the, the, the students um, to the Fordham family because you don't leave the Fordham family. And I really like that idea. So I am reminding students that once they graduate, they aren't leaving. They're going to come back. They're going to 
teach for us. They're going to speak with, um, you know, students. They're going to be on panels, and they're going to really remain part of the Fordham family. And that, for me, is very important. I've gotten an awful lot out of my com compliance community. Um, so um, organizations like MentorCorps, I am, um, you know, uh, I volunteer a lot for National Society for Compliance Professionals, and it's uh, tremendous um, kind of what you get back. As, as you, you were probably painfully aware, the job of a compliance officer is difficult. So I think, um, you know, we ha have each other, and I think we have to lean on each other, you know, quite a lot. So I don't know if you had this experience in school, you know, but when I was in orientation for law school, they do that thing where, you know, look to the left, you know, and look to the right, and two of those people won't be there <laughs> when you graduate. And so I've sort of been doing a variation of that on the Zoom calls, only look to the left, look to the right. All of those people are your network, you know? So those are the people that you're gonna take with you um, after your, your Fordham experience. Yeah, that's actually been having an interesting discussion like that with some friends of mine that are in you know late stage career and are now going back for executive MBAs for JDs and other things about the value that comes out of it. You know, there's the, the there's the tangible. I might be able to get a promotion piece. That's very you know, much easier for people to see in concrete. Some of those softer or or I guess less tangible, less directly visible items um, are really important to that discussion. How can people look at these kind of post or late career education and the value that comes out of doing so uh, beyond that concrete piece. Uh, whether it's compliance or, or any other similar field, a lot of people are talking about, do I go back for a JD? Do I go back for an MBA? Do I go back for something like this? You know, whatever it is, um, and it, a lot of people find it hard to quantify. Yeah, I mean, it is not an inexpensive proposition as, as we all know, you know, um, so it's, um, it definitely has to be a, a, a passion. And I think you have to see um, directly in your own career path, how it's going to benefit you, you know, because um, it, 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 is, it is a lot of work to log on for several hours at night, um, you know, during the week um, after a long day of, um, a long day of work and, and many, many folks have families as well. Um, so you do have to um, be able to see the goal and, and have it kind of fit within a plan um, and have it be at a time when you're when you're ready. You know, so sometimes we talk to prospective students who are not quite ready um, and then they are kind of in the planning stages and they might come back to us in a semester or two when when they're there. Um, you know, I think of it. We don't have um, so we were talking about the terminal you know, position of compliance officer, and there hasn't to date been a really terminal degree for compliance, um, really, that it has been sort of agreed upon. So, I mean, it's just, um, I think that as we grow as a, as a discipline and a community, um, as we have more folks who have MSLs in compliance and concentrations in compliance and really solely focus on looking for those opportunities, um, we can only, you know, it, it only helps the, um, it only helps the industry and kind of elevates um, us all. So let's take this in a different direction. One of the things that um, has been talked about quite widely amongst uh, legal professionals 
is the fact that there's been research done that shows that lawyers disproportionately suffer from addiction, uh, anxiety, depression, etc. And so one of the things that we've been talking about, there's even been, um, a, you know, a study that was commissioned by CCI Press about well-being amongst compliance professionals, because we have such a huge portion of compliance professionals that have some type of legal background. How are you thinking about well-being in life for the students, for the, you know, future career professionals? Um, what do you think is important for people to, to be thinking about right now when it comes to well-being in the profession? That's very interesting. So, um, so Fordham is a Jesuit university, um, and there is Jesuit pedagogy that is very student centric. Um, so we are very student centric. Um, we have uh, maybe just a little under 200 or so students at some point in our program. Um, and we, they're all very important to us. And we have a very caring um, faculty. Um, and you probably know many of our faculty as well. I think they have been, um, you know, interviewed um, for Mentor Corps. Um, and, and they, it's all very, the student experience is very, very important to us. Um, so it's a very sort of, um, you know, human endeavor, which I also think um, is the best way to approach kind of compliance too. You know, um, I'm doing right now, I'm doing some notes for a presentation that I have coming up on com communicating compliance with confidence because we're all about alliteration. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of what I'm reading is about communication style and meeting people kind of according to what their, um, what, how they, how they learn, you know, and what they're um, kind of, you know, uh, what's important to them. Um, which I think is important from a student perspective, but also important from a compliance officer stakeholder perspective. Um, I went to a seminar over the summer, and some of the readings that we had were, um, you know, about influence styles. You know, so um, interestingly, we were talking to some very junior compliance officers who their influence style was to sort of restate how important you know the law was or the regulator was in this which absolutely works you know when you're talking to compliance and legal professionals maybe doesn't work when you're talking to marketing or sales or operations or it you know who may have some other um you know concerns as well so um it's sort of you know meeting people according to how they need to be um speaking to people or communicating to people um how they need to be communicated to that's wonderful. Well, Barbara, unfortunately, we're to the end of our time already. It went so fast. Um, great discussion. But as you know, since you've been here before, uh, we always close out by asking all of our guests about the best advice they've ever gotten from a mentor. And since you're a returning guest, we'll ask you what's the best advice you've gotten from a mentor since the last time you were here or a second piece of advice, the second best advice you've ever gotten from a mentor. Um, I think it's to remember how small of a world it is. And it is a very small world. And then when you um, you drill down to a particular part of the country or particular niche or industry, it is a, an even smaller world, you know? So I am now um, working with folks who, um, you know, I've worked with at Compliance Week, I've worked with at a vendor, I, I might have, um, you know, spoken with on panels, um, you know, so it's just, and all of my worlds are colliding. 
Um, I just even learned I had a call with um, Richard Bistrong the other day and the manager who hired me went to high school with him. It is a very, very, very small world. <laughs> so, so I think that is important to remember um, in, in general. <laughs> It's very, very true. You will, uh, you know, that is not why LinkedIn, that's how LinkedIn got created in the start was you could see how many Kevin Bacons you were away from everybody in the whole world. It's no longer um, six. Yeah. Was it? No, it's everybody's one. Yes, well, <laughs> one everyone knows Lisa Beth and Lisa Beth knows everyone. So. This is true. This <laughs> is true. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Great discussion, great insights. Um, and uh, all the best to you in your, uh, in your role at, uh, at Fordham. Uh, and we thank you, the listener and viewer, for being here. Uh, we love your feedback and comments. You can send us information. You can send us your comments, thoughts, guest ideas, and other information to info at mentorcore.biz. Uh, you can find our website, www.mentorcore.biz, which includes all of the previous episodes we've ever aired. Uh, and you can get our podcast on your favorite application. And if you search on YouTube, you can find these recordings as well. Uh, if that's the way you like to consume them, uh, search for MentorCore. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you again on the next MentorCore.